Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another Tanner Wilkinson podcast. Today I am joined by the Tanner Wilkinson Podcast Network uh, NBA insider. You know how ESPN has like Woj, Lebetard Network has Amin Hassan's. We have, we have Drew Lomar on the pod today. Drew, say what up. What's up, guys? I mean, Drew is the guy that I go to when I want to have an intellectual conversation about basketball. This, this is going to be a high IQ podcast today. I can feel it. The highest. The highest. The highest, if you're catching my drift. Um, the plan is we're going to go through a little mock draft, probably our top, I'd say 10. That's a good stopping point. We don't need it to go on yeah. for too long. And then uh, I got a couple questions I'm going to ask Lomar. Um, get his in, get, 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 get what he's hearing around the league, you know? Yeah, yeah. I got my sources. I'm, uh, I'm ready to give the information out. I love it. This, and it's, it'll be out the morning of the draft day, so excellent. We'll, we'll have this working, going perfectly. But no other way to start it off than with the number one overall pick. Uh, Detroit Pistons own that pick right now. I don't see them uh, trading out of it. I think they're fine with taking Cade Cunningham. What do you think, Lomar? Yeah, this is a no-brainer. This is about as no-brainer as it gets, I think, for a first pick. Just like a guy, not to jump straight into the player comp, but a Luka Doncic-type big ball handler who has Mm -hmm. very few weaknesses on either side of the ball. Just don't overthink it. Take Cade Cunningham. Yeah, I mean, I said his his – ceiling is Luca and his floor is just Lonzo ball, but probably better, you know, like at yeah. worst you're getting Alonzo Alonzo ball, but better. Yeah. I think Alonzo ball that looks more aggressively to like dribble, penetrate, score and pass out of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, coming out of Oklahoma state, I can give you his stats right here. I mean, so average 20 a game on six rebounds, three and a half assists. Shot 40% from three, like did have a, a kind of a turnover problem, four turnovers a game, more turnovers than assists, which is, but I mean, that, that happens a lot in college when you like, that was kind of the Trey Young effect. You I do think that in particular for him, like Oklahoma state was not a good basketball team outside of him. There was like, he was constantly on the court with one or two traditional bigs and a second best shooter that was shooting like 30% from three. So I think like the assist to turnover concern, for example, kind of gets blown out of proportion if you're just looking at the supporting cast. Cause his Montverde team in high school might've beaten that Oklahoma state team. Scotty Barnes was on that team. So, I mean, yeah, Scotty probably. Barnes, Moses Moody. Well, we're in agreement on the first pick. I want to know if we're in agreement on the second pick. I want to hear you who you have going number two to the Houston Rockets. I have Jalen Green here. I, I know Mobley's become probably in recent weeks the more popular option, at least on big boards. But it sounds like the Rockets really like Jalen Green. And at the end of the day, the fit with Mobley, I think, and Christian Wood is a bit iffy. Two, like, kind of really lean and skinny bigs that can stretch the floor, but, you know, you still don't have anybody to go up against the bigger post players. So I think Jalen Green's the better fit here. I, uh, I agree with you, but I think they should still take Mobley because I think Mobley is just ready. Like, I've heard reports that that Ignite team that Jalen Green was on didn't get high-level coaching, didn't pl- run a lot of systems. So I think Mobley's just more ready, and I would take Mobley with this number two pick. But 
going right into the third spot, I mean, the Cavs already have two good, two pretty good guards in Garland and um, Garland and sex, what, man. sex man, the sex man, yeah, sex land, baby. Um, so I, it I does guess sound Jaylen like Green, they're trying to trade Colin Sexton though, for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. He's being so I shopped. Think, I think Jalen Green could slide there. I mean, if I have Mobley going two, I don't think Green goes any less than three. No, yeah, I think the top three overall is pretty clear. Those three guys aren't sliding. Um, but in my fourth spot, I do have a guy who will fill that Kyle Lowry role in Jalen Suggs, who I think is also on that top three level. Yeah, I have Suggs here as well. I think with him, I don't see the upside the same way I do with those other top three, but his floor, in my opinion, is as high as anyone's in this draft. He's just going to be really solid all around from day one. I, I think at worst you're getting Drew Holiday. With, with this I agree. Like he, at worst, he's going to get down and guard their best guard and just lock up, and he's going to get his points. He's going to get his – at worst, he will get his, like, 14 points, I would assume, especially oh, yeah. in the NBA. He's so um, lethal in transition, too. If the Raptors just decide they want to get out and run. The scoring numbers could be pretty high right away. Oh, yeah. Um, I like that. I mean, Siakam's already been kind of looked around and thought about in trade talks, so I don't know where they're really going with that team, but uh, we can talk about that later. Uh, number five, we have the Magic. Um, who do you have in that in that slot? I think I would have Scotty Barnes here. How about you? I also have Scotty Barnes. I think Scotty Barnes is just going to be a cracked out uh, uh, Draymond Green. I think they would be throwing a party if he ended up being as good as Draymond Green. But yeah, that is like the type of role I think you're getting there. He's probably going to be able to guard all five positions, like not even just switch on them, but legit guard all five positions like Ben Simmons or someone like that from day one. Um, he is a really bad shooter, though, would be the knock. You can teach shooting, though. You can teach a jump shot. Yeah, but even some of his stuff with like mechanics inconsistency is one of the indicators, obviously, they look at a lot. His that was that was kind of iffy at Florida State, but I mean that's fixable too. Either way, I will say I think Scotty Barnes is the most Giannis like in this draft. Hmm. I could see that. I would have another another player in mind. I think for a foreign a foreigner, another foreigner. Oh no, oh, American no. Texas Ooh. product. We'll get to him in a little bit. Oh, we will get to him. I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, at the sixth spot is the Oklahoma City Thunder. This this might not even be the Thunder's pick come draft night. I have to think the Thunder will try to move into the top four. They, you, you, with the amount of picks they have, just the draft capital, I don't see any reason why they, why they shouldn't pair one of those guys with Shea long-term. Well, the pick, they tried to get number one for Shea in the, in the sixth, but the Pistons said I saw no. that. I, I think that's a good move by the Pistons I as much as I that. love Shea. Yeah, I'm but if they the- use this pick here, um, I think I would go Book Knight. Mm. I think him as a 
the back, the long-term backcourt pairing with Shea as like your point guard and sort of passer. Like Book Knight, he doesn't bring you much in the way of passing or spot-up shooting, but like he's a bucket. He's the type of guy that really looks like an NBA level scorer, regardless of how much else he brings. And he's pretty big as a two guard too. Yeah, I. It sounds like a broken record, but I also have Book Knight going right there. Um, I think they want if they're going to get it, they're going to get a guy that's going to contribute now, and he definitely is a contributor day one. Um, like I would say, Kukamunga or what, however you say his name, Kaminga. Yeah, I, I like him, but he's a project. Like he's not going to be coming day one and, and and play for you really. And they already have too many of those guys that are long term projects in in the system already. So I think they're go, they go after a guy. That's why I have Book Knight. But at seven, yeah. uh, the Warriors. Do you want to keep talking about Book Knight? Well, I was just going to say on Kaminga real quick. Okay. He, w- I'm sure we'll get to him at one of these picks in a second. He like, if you're if you're really in tune and like listening to podcasts with all these, you know, actual insiders. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't discredit yourself. One of the things they always bring up, at least a few of them is in all of all the people they talk to on all the teams in the league, there's no one that is like in love with Jonathan Kaminga. And you could find at least one team for all the rest of these lottery, like, prospects where you know you have a team that's just in love with them it seems like nobody knows what to think of Kaminga so that'll be interesting um I actually have him going seven and I have him going seven to the Warriors just because I think they'll throw him in the G League and just let him develop or play him like very minimal minutes have him grow into his role and I think later on because they have the 14th pick still I think they're going to try and get uh Davian Mitchell from Baylor or Chris Duarte from Oregon, a guy who can once again, like, like Book Knight, just step in right away and get, get like solid minutes off the yeah. bench, I would assume. Yeah, both of those guys would make sense, especially at 14. At seven here, I have two guys in mind that are similar in role, I guess uh, Franz Wagner and Moses Moody. If I had to pick one for the Warriors, I think I would pick Moses Moody. Um, you play whichever one you want to call the three between him and Clay Thompson, but those are sort of your off-ball perimeter guys. Moody doesn't have the ceiling of a lot of these other guys, but he could come in right away. He's already a very good three-point shooter, and he'll, he should be a pretty good perimeter defender from day one that can guard you know one through three to some level. So I think if they indeed do use this pick, some guy like that who helps now, I think makes the most sense for them. So who are you taking? Moody. Taking Moody. Okay. Okay. Um, at the eighth spot, um, I don't really know. I genuinely don't know what to do here. Um, I don't really know the Magic's roster. Like that's a thing. Like they traded away a lot of their players. Like they might to, be the worst team in the league next year. It's, I, I, I wouldn't hate that. It's slim pickings. They have rotation. They have the fifth pick too. So they already have Scotty Barnes in this draft. I'm wondering if they're not a team that's trying to move up. I could see it. I mean, from everything you hear though, 
they really like Barnes at five. And I think to move up, you'd realistically have to package eight and five to try to like get top four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but if they're like, we could also just go get like, uh, I don't know if you can go get Cade, but you might be able to go get Mobley. I think Mobley and Green would be gettable, but probably not Cade. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just looking at the Magic's roster. I'll just read it off. Uh, Cole Anthony, Dwayne Bacon, Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter Jr., uh, Michael Carter-Williams, James Enos, Markel Fultz, RJ Hampton, Gary Harris, Jonathan Isaac, Otto Porter Jr., Terrence Ross, and Mo, Mo Wagner. So that'd be cool if maybe Franz and, and yeah. Mo go on the same team. That That's that's projected on this big board I'm looking at. Um, I don't even know. Like, I guess I think guard, the Magic... I think the Magic are in a spot where they can't fit is out the window for these picks other than the fit with who they draft at five. So with that in mind, if Barnes is sort of your guy at like the four going forward, I think Alperin Shingun makes a lot of sense here. Big man who just won MVP of the Turkish League as an 18-year-old. And I don't know your thoughts on him. He's obviously really polarizing because defensively, it's the outlook is kind of rough. Yeah, like, he, I heard case, he can't. I was listening to a Mark Spears podcast, I think, and he was talking about how, yeah, he just doesn't, he can't guard anybody. But to be MVP of the Turkish League is like a really, really hard thing to do. Yeah, that's like a lot of people don't realize those leagues over there. That's significantly better competition than any college teams facing. Yeah, they're so grown like, men. That is. You got to take that into account. But if you – my thing with him, if you can get past the defense and you, like, trust maybe there's some level of development there, offensively, he is so impressive. Like a DeMontis Sabonis-style guy. You think they'll play him out of the high four? post? No, I think he's a five. He's a little undersized as a five, but he's still 6'10", 240, like, right now. Mm-hmm. And I think I mean, they have two centers right now, Wendell Carter Jr. and Mo Bamba. I mean, yeah, but like the fit thing, I was is saying, the Mo neither Bamba, of those guys is the Mo Bamba experiment over. Yes, has yeah. to be. Then I'm fine. I agree. Then I was, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna probably take him, and and Franz is gonna have to slide down a little bit. I just think, especially with the Magic, if there's any hope of Shengun becoming a plus defender it's with a guy like scotty barnes next to him who can cover up a lot of those deficiencies so it makes sense yeah. in that regard yeah um on to nine the sacramento kings a team that they have darren fox locked up long term i don't really you just like you said earlier with these mid mid lottery picks you kind of just gotta pick the best guy and hope that he turns out yeah yeah I think at nine here, I'd go Franz Wagner if I was them. That's sort of the biggest long-term hole on their roster, the bigger wings, with like healed obviously being a smaller one. Like Wagner, three and D potentials there. The shot's a bit suspect at this point, but he's one of the best defenders in this draft in terms of like both on ball, like positions two through four, and as a help defender. Um, sort of like a free safety style guy. 
Yeah. I think this makes the most sense for them here. Um, I like Moody here because I think I heard a Buddy Heald trade is already in the works. So I, I assume. Yeah, that seems likely. So I, I think they're going to pick up because I think T- Halliburton will just move straight in the lineup with De'Aaron. Yeah. And I think all that means that leaves a guard off the bench. So you could just go out in free agency and get a guard, but I feel like they're not buyers. They're more sellers. So I could see them going Definitely. Moses Moody here with this ninth pick. Yeah, that, I like that fit too. And at number 10, recently just traded away um, 10 for 17. And uh, who else was in that? Eric Bledsoe? It was Bledsoe and Steven Adams and 17 – or sorry, 10 and one other like second rounder for Valanchunas and this pick, number 10. So it's now the Grizzlies pick. Um, I have in a huge, I think they just go and take this guy because he's the best. He's like the best talent in the draft at this point. I'm going Kai Jones out of Texas and they just pair him with Triple J. Interesting. I don't hate the Kai Jones pick this high. I would just question the, the Triple J fit. They seem really similar role-wise long-term, at least on the defensive end. But, yeah, I don't hate that. I think – I mean, I guess I'm going with a big two, so the fit thing – my fit point there is kind of moot. I would go Usman Garuba here. From Real Madrid. Yep, the Spanish combo big. He – if I had to pick – if you were holding the gun to my head and said pick the best defender in this draft, I would pick him even over like Scotty Barnes. You really think this guy's a better defender than Scotty Barnes? Yes. Hmm. I think he will within like two years in the league, he'll be bam out of bio defensively. Like that's, that's That's the style you're getting. That is high praise. He, I don't, did you see any clips or anything? And obviously you can't base all your stock off this, but when he and the Spanish Olympic team played team USA pretty recently, I haven't seen any of that, no. So he he was like the Spanish team's sixth man, at least in those exhibition games. I'm not sure of his status now. He was he spent the entire game guarding either Kevin Durant or Jason Tatum when they were on the court. And he honestly, like, obviously that's a tall task. He did a pretty good job. Like he's he's pretty big, six nine, six ten, well built, but he's really mobile on ball on these guys and he's terrific as a help defender and sort of like vertical rim protector like i don't know how much he figures to give you on offense but just because of the defensive potential here this is one of my like favorite guys in this whole draft i mean yeah there's always i had him going to the spurs i think that is a very i don't know how long pops there but it seems like a pop pick to just pick the guy who's really good at defense i could see that if but I mean, he might not even get there by the way that by the way that you're talking. So, I mean, I like a lot of these foreign these foreign kids coming in. Like, I'm not gonna lie, I really I like the center. It's tough. It's really tough to win an MVP in a foreign league. So, yeah, that's any, rare. Anytime you do that, it's like it's like a national player of the year, pretty much, in my opinion. And with Garuba too, he didn't win MVP, but that's Spanish league. That's like below the NBA that's as good as it gets and he was a legit 
like part-time starter, part-time six man for Real Madrid. Like that's, that's a lot to have proven at, as a 19 year old. Yeah. That's like, that's the best of the rest I would say. And after the NBA, just, I mean, you look at what Luca did in that league and it's like, maybe we should start looking here. Maybe, maybe yeah. when the time, time comes, to pay maybe, a little attention. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe open our eyes a little bit. Um, that, that rounds out our top 10. Um, I would say let's go through it, but I don't really know if I remember. I, I think I'll say mine and you can say yours. If you can right. remember it, I'm going to go Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Scotty Barnes, uh, James Booknight, Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, shoot, you're going to have to – who did I have at eight going to the Magic? Who did you have there? Was that Alprin? I don't know how to say his name. The, the Turkish I team? think we both had Shangun there, yeah. Shangun there, and then to the Kings – I had Moses Moody, and to the Grizzlies, I had Kai Jones from Texas. I had one to the Pistons, Cade Cunningham, um, Jalen Green, two, Evan Mobley, three, Jalen Suggs at four to Toronto, um, Scotty Barnes at five, James Booknight, six, Moses Moody at seven to the Warriors, which is probably a little higher than most places have them. Um, Alperin Shangun at eight. Uh, Franz Wagner at nine to the Kings and then Usman Garuba at 10. There we go. That was clean, Lomar. That was clean. It's like you've been doing this your whole life. Oh, yeah. All right. Now we're going to move on to a little couple questions. Um, I would do like speed round, but I don't have that many questions. So we're going to have to go in depth a little bit. Um, okay. Who is who do you think is going to be the most surprising player in this draft if you haven't already talked about him? Hmm. I th- I'm, there's a lot of candidates here. Run them through. Run them through. I honestly I think the first name that popped into my head was Shingun, who we've already talked about a decent amount. So, you know, not to be redundant here, but he gets, he's getting knocked a lot for that, the, you know, the defensive deficiencies, which are real. But, and, you know, I'm not comparing him to Jokic here. Like, we've seen the Nuggets have been extremely competitive in the playoffs with a defense that's, like, set up so that Jokic isn't a bad defender. They, like, turn him into an average defender by the pieces they put around him and the strategies they use. I feel like if the right team gets their hands on Shangun and can pull something like that off, he his potential on offense as sort of like the offensive hub as a big man is – unreal high like it's up there with those guys in the top three to me just in terms of he his footwork is like he'll have some of the best low post footwork in the nba from day one like as a rookie it's that advanced um he shows flashes of tremendous passing ability especially out of like the high post although he did struggle a bit with the turnovers as the usage increased um but, and he's a very good free throw shooter. So I see no reason why you can't stretch him out to become a three point shooter. It just feels like he could be an offensive force, potentially, not likely, but potentially that you could build a legit contending team around. I will say the only thing I worry about with him, because you brought up Jokic, and I've heard other people say he's like Jokic defensively, kind of, but it's similar. 
he's 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 not Jokic's size. He's 6'10", 240 on this site. And Jokic, we know Jokic is not seven foot. He's like seven one, seven two, seven three. Yeah. He's a mountain of a human being. And may weigh three hundred and eighty pounds. Yeah, he's he's he is the closest equivalent to the fridge in basketball. He's just massive. Yeah, and I mean that's a fair point because Shangun is a he's a bit undersized. I it it comes down to me the offensive upside. It's worth it to gamble on at this like. 10 to 12 range for sure, if not a bit higher. I agree. I mean, you can always pick up guys who can guard. You can't pick up guys who can score at will. Exactly. That's so, a rarity. I mean, if, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a developed skill, definitely. Um, next, I'm going to have who is your guy out of the lottery that has the highest upside? Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll give you the one. I'll give you two answers here because the first one's a bit too obvious, but I think Cade Cunningham. Cade, the way that we're seeing the NBA go, like trend the last few years especially, it's these like big, versatile ball handlers who sort of are just offensive engines unto their own. They score, they pass, you know, they're, they're very careful and steady with the ball all that sort of stuff. Cade, like he just, at every level of basketball we've seen him play at so far, he just makes dudes better around him. And again, there's just not a lot of weaknesses to his game. I could, he's the only guy in this draft that it wouldn't surprise me in the least bit if we look up and see him as a 24-year-old as one of the 10 or so best players in the NBA. I agree. I mean, I love Kate Cunningham. The fact that he went to Oklahoma State and I love him shows you how yeah. good and how cool he is. First, that of all. is saying something right there. Yeah, but like he's just he's just awesome. He's he can defend, he can rebound, he can get he can like get blocks, get steals, and then that's not even talking about his offensive game, which is like ten times better than his defensive game. Yeah, exactly. So I to give you my other answer there, go some, ahead. like a more shot in the dark arc answer um i think kai jones could be very interesting in this discussion he he's a scary guy to sort of profile going into a draft because he's so raw and it almost seems like his outcomes sort of binary like he's either just not going to pan out and be out of the league or he's going to be really good it just depends on how he develops but one thing you got to remember with him He's only been playing basketball for five years. He started playing basketball as a 15-year-old, and this was the first year that he wasn't also playing another sport with it. So, like, that can explain away the rawness right there. And he's just so athletic as a guy that size, like a legit seven-footer. It just seems like if you're going to gamble on anybody, he's the guy to do it with. I I will say I have heard he is – probably in by a good margin the most athletic player in this draft which i don't disagree with yeah I, i've watched i watched him play oklahoma twice i watched him play a lot of times in the big 12 because that was just the conference i'm aligned with so i i watched a lot of big 12 stuff and i watched him play a lot and there were times where you're like oh my god he's the best player on the court and there were also times where it's like is he even on the court but oh yeah as with with times he 
he will get better. Like over time, he will get better. And I think he's definitely, like you said, that that home run hitter where he's either going to be a top like player on a team or just completely done. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's just the way you got to look at it. If you're one of these late lottery to late teens teams here, like, do I want to gamble or do I want to go the safe route? Um, next question. I will say out of the lottery, so 16 and on, who do you think, who do you like uh, the most out of the lottery? I'll give you a couple. Like I, you can say your names and I'll say my names and we'll just, we'll just see where we go with this. So, Let's see. I'm looking at a mock here. I'll just read through a couple names. Um, one of your guys, Ayo Desunmu. I'd love him in the late first round. I will say um, I've heard reports that if he's at 22 for the Lakers, he will not be at 23 for the Rockets. So if he gets to the Lakers and he's yeah. there, they're taking him. He's one of those guys where it's he's more mature than most of these other younger guards and the ceiling's not as high, but he's going to contribute and just be solid pretty much right away. And there's a few other guys in this range like that. I would say if Chris Duarte is still available in this range, he's if, sort of the ultimate plug him in as a tour, a smaller three. And he's just, you know, somebody said in a podcast I was listening to, I don't remember who it was, the sort of what it boils down to as a role player in the NBA is like, the best ones take the least amount of stuff off the table in terms of like what they do versus, you know, starters. Duarte is just going to be super solid right away. So like the mock I'm looking at doesn't have him in the range you're talking about. They have him to golden state at 14. That's what I'm looking at right now too. So, you know, maybe this is a bit higher than your question was aimed at, but he's a guy who could come in and contribute right away. No, I definitely, I definitely uh, agree with that. Duarte reminds me a lot of of uh, Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, yeah. Where he's like just that. like off the bench. It's the same pretty much. You are just getting the guy, and then eventually he'll turn into a starter because you realize, all right, off the bench we could just start him instead. Yeah. Um, other. I'm just gonna say in a couple names. I like Jared Butler out of Baylor. Um, Davion. Mitchell out of Baylor as well. I don't think he's. I don't think he's a outside of the lottery pick. I think he probably goes before that. Um, just on pure coolness factor, Sharif Cooper, maybe one of the coolest players in the draft, in my opinion. All he does is get buckets. Like how? How? I don't understand how anyone can hate on him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he may be a midget out there, but he's as cool as they come. I think he's still growing. I think that was like reported. They're like, he's oh, still really? technically growing. Yeah. Cause he showed up That's like good. taller at like the combine than he did it in college. So it's like, okay, okay. We like that. Speaking of that, just a side note on a guy we already talked about. Apparently Franz Wagner is like six eleven now. Really? Allegedly. Yeah. He's like his brother's size. He's grown since like Michigan. Oh, damn. Um, Which is I, very intriguing. I will say Io Desumu. I definitely like I really like Jason Jason Preston from Ohio. Do you know anything about this guy? Yeah, he's interesting. I just he's one of those guys where it's tougher to tell how well he translates, I guess. But you know, I it, it's pretty realistic to me that he ends up as like a a good sixth man option, like a scoring punch, if nothing else. Yeah, 
I mean, his story is crazy. Like the fact that he was like on the C team in, in high school and just sent his tape to places and then went to like prep school and then got to Ohio and then just balled out and scored like 25 a game there. It was, it's a yeah. crazy story. If you, if you haven't seen it, just there's probably a YouTube video out there. That's, that's how we get our information now. Yeah. Um, anyone else? I mean, this has this mock draft has Herb Jones. I think Herb Jones could be an easily solid defensive piece just for any team. I got, I'd say I got three more names here, and then I want to touch on Donovan Mitchell or Davion Mitchell after that a little bit. But perfect, perfect. Go ahead. Sort of end of first, early second. I like Joel Ayayi a lot out of Gonzaga. Um, again, not a super high upside, but he feels like a really good bet to just be a you know, again, solid, somebody you can trust, a good role player. And then if you go further back, reaching into like the mid-second round, late-second round, um, Joe Wieskamp out of Iowa, I think is pretty interesting. He, like, again, it's a swing because there's a good chance he just can't stay on the court defensively. But, you know, that's what picks in the 40s are for, I think for any team back there, just stashing a guy who can shoot it like that has some level of value. And I will then, say, I won't, I won't let you go on without that because as an, as an Illinois fan, um, Joe Wieskamp's a baby. He, he's a baby. Okay. Let's hear it. All that, all that dude is, does is cry. I've watched him. I watched him at Ohio the, or Iowa the last couple of years. All he does is cry. All he does on the court is cry. He reminds me of, I don't want to say Grayson Allen because that's way too harsh. Like oh, no one boy. should ever be compared to Grayson Allen. Oh, but like, no. but like 50% of Grayson Allen. Cause I still, I don't have that much disrespect for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. He gives off Grayson Allen tendencies. And then my last guy here, um, which this would be, he might not even get drafted. So this would be like a late second rounder. Uh, Matt Hurt out at Duke. I don't see – it's not like I love him in a vacuum as a prospect. But when you look at – he was one of those guys who senior year of high school, he was a five-star. He was like a top 15, 20 guy in his class. And it's just, you know, maybe people really didn't see enough at Duke, and it is justified. But it just feels like we've seen enough examples of times where – you almost like can't take a guy's one year in college into account when you have, you've seen them be like a different player, say on AAU or in high school. I just think there's enough upside here. Like this mock I'm looking at has him in, at 58. He feels like a no brainer that late in the draft. Are, are you on Tankathon? Yes, I am. Yeah, that's the best at. All right. I'm glad, glad we got that out of the way. Also, I want to ask you about one player before we go on to uh, Davion Mitchell. Uh, do you think Luka Garza can play at the next level? He's he's so interesting as a prospect. He he's gonna be bad on defense. He's gonna like be real bad on defense, but that's I think he can almost play. non-negotiable. But yeah, the level of skill and footwork he showed as a scorer at Iowa. He's so talented offensively. Like he's not a first-round guy. Definitely. But he's another one. It feels like he's absolutely worth a gamble with a second-round pick. If he doesn't pan out, he doesn't pan out. You lost a second-round pick. But if he does, you got 28 points per game in the Big Ten, Luka Garza. 
Yeah, and it's already a league where no one really guards. So I don't understand why he can't just put up like 15 to 10 points, 10 to 15 points a game, you know? Yeah, and maybe in the playoffs he is unplayable. But he could still be one of those guys, like a second-string center, that you can just trust to like eat up backup minutes in the regular season and keep. You I will water. say, his worst case scenario. I don't know if it's his worst case scenario, but I think if he reaches his best case scenario, he's better than Enos. he's kind of like uh, Enos Cantor. That's who I was just thinking of too. Like, because I'm a, like, as a Blazers fan, I've watched so many Enos Cantor minutes. And when I look up at when I look at a guard or a big who can really score but can't guard anybody, Enos Cantor is the first guy that comes to mind. Yeah, and but even then, whatever whatever your thoughts are on Enos Cantor, that just shows like there's still a place in the league for that guy. He can still get minutes, which just feels like that's not a long shot for Luca Garza to become. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, I think he can play. I mean, if you're putting up that many points, it's Pretty, you're doing something right. good. Yeah, you're getting after it. You're you're definitely not just fumbling oh, your yeah. way into 28 points a game in the Big Ten. Exactly. So let's let's go on to what what would you want to talk about, uh, Donovan or not Donovan, Davion Mitchell. So he's like, you know, depending on who you're reading or listening to, you see him. Sometimes they don't have him super high. But I'm seeing, like, talk about this guy in the top 10 in the lottery. Like, all right, if I if I was running a front office, I would, like, the day I, I signed my contract and stepped foot in the office, I would establish a rule, like an organizational rule. You cannot use a lottery pick on a guy who is six feet tall. You just can't do it. Unless they're like Trey Young or Ja Morant offensively, which is another thing. But Davion Mitchell is more of a role player guy anyway. So it's like he's six feet tall. I want to cut you off there because I thought you were going to go a whole different route with that. I was going to go with Mitchell guy. I was going to go with, well, I'm I'm iffy on him. I'll say that. I thought you were going to go with the fact that he's going to be 23, the fact that his first game is played, and you're going to spend a a lottery pick on a 23 year old. Yeah. Well, I, here's my thing with age. It's it depends what you're drafting for. If you're drafting for a guy like a cornerstone piece to build around, age is super important. But if you're drafting, if you're in the market for a guy like Davion Mitchell, the chances are you're drafting for a role player. You're competing on some degree, and you want a guy who's, you know, fits a more short term time frame. Like. So the age isn't a massive issue there for me. It's more just like he's so small. And that like just that size thing, it doesn't it's not like it means nothing. What it means is he could develop. He could be with the best defensive development crew on a team like in the league. And he's just always going to have a very low ceiling on that end. He's always going to be a target because these guys are just so much bigger than him now at his own position. It's, he just scares me away inside the top 15. I, I, I agree with you. I'm going to ask you this, though. If Bugnike goes six to OKC and they say, I don't want to wait on Kaminga, I could see Mitchell going as high as seven to the Warriors. See, I just think if they, 
like Mitchell, they'll trade back. There's no reason to take him at seven. Yeah, but if you think about it, how many people have him in the top ten? I've seen people have him in the top ten, so you can't really trade that far back. Yeah, I mean, let's look at some of these teams here. Let me scroll back up. Like, after the Warriors, the Magic are already loaded with guards, RJ Hampton, Anthony Fultz. I don't think they'd be looking at Mitchell. The Kings have Fox and Halliburton. I don't think they'd be looking at him. They, they're more in the market for wings. The Grizzlies are good on guards. I mean, the Hornets, I guess it just depends what they want to do with Terry Rozier and Devonta Graham, but even they have a lot of guards. I don't see any reason why he's not available at 14 to them. Yeah, I mean, it. but it's it's draft night. Teams are stupid. Yeah. They're going to take dumb players, so that's what's oh, going to happen. there's one thing that we know. It's that <clears throat> teams are stupid. The yeah. majority of these front offices just don't know what they're doing. It's crazy. It's, it's genuinely crazy. Um, do you have anyone else you want to talk about? Because I'm going to – I'm, I'm going to move on to I – I have a question about teams, not just players. Yeah, one guy early on we skipped over that was, like, just outside my top ten. What are your thoughts on uh, Josh Giddy? I know nothing about Josh Giddy. Okay. From Australia, well, I know that. And he's 18 To give a little rundown, old. yeah, he's, like, as young as they come. I'm not even sure if he'll be 19 by the start of his rookie year. And he is – in a lot of ways, he's a similar guy to look at to LaMelo, if nothing else, just because they played the same role in the same league at the same age. But so Josh Giddy, he's a 6'8 point guard, and he is a legit point guard, not like a playmaking wing. Um, he, the draw with him is his passing. He might, he has an argument to be the best passer in this draft class, even over a guy like Cade. Like he led the NBL in assists as an 18 year old, which is like LaMelo didn't do that. That's, fairly impressive but it's he's another just controversial guy I guess because a defensively like he is six eight but he's not that quick laterally and b the jumper's not really there which you know were some of the same concerns for Lomelo and that so far has worked out fine but he's just an interesting one guys seem to either be really high or low on him I will say I don't trust this I'm not going to lie. I don't, I, I mean, maybe if he's like Rubio kind of foreign, not, I don't think he's going to be like LaMelo because a lot of the times when you looked at LaMelo, it was, he really didn't care. He knew how good he was. And he's like, I don't really need to try. Like on, there were times on defense and when he was playing for the New Zealand league or the Australian league, wherever he was playing, where he would just be like cleaning his shoes on defense. Like he genuinely did not yeah. care at all. So it's kind of like a thing where when you're good enough, you know when to turn it on. And I don't know. I think Josh Giddy is turning it on in this league. And I don't know. I'm kind of I'm, – I'm, I'm not sold on Josh Giddy. I'll say that. One more thing with him. And, again, you can't put a ton of stock into anything like this. But he was on – he was like one of the reserves for the Australian Olympic team. So in the exhibitions, he was with them. And – Apparently there were a ton of these scouts and insider guys who went to watch him like play and practice with these Australian guys. Cause there's so many, you know, solid NBA players on that team. Like apparently Joe Ingles was the guy he was always matched up with. And all the reports were, he was very clearly the best passer on the court for like of that Australian group 
over like Ingles and Patty Mills and guys like that. So he just a lot of question marks, but he has a ton of upside as that lead playmaker guy. Yeah, I mean he's he's got size. He's six eight, um, so I could see him definitely being kind of the guy who just runs the offense. You know. Yeah, big triple double threat. Like it's showing here. 12 think, points, eight rebounds, eight assists. Yeah, I was gonna say night. that he's not he's not gonna have like a trillion points, but if he puts up like 14, 10, and eleven, sure. No, exactly. He's a very low volume scorer, but he's just so efficient, so good at taking care of the ball. And he can be that eight or nine assists a night guy, potentially. So I just think he's he's a really intriguing guy in the end of that lottery there. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, I'm going to move on to this last question before we just, like, talk about anything type beat. Um, teams moving up. Could you see any teams moving up in the draft? We're going to have trades. Um, you got anything from league sources? Well, I think apparently Memphis is trying to move up further than 10. Apparently this is – they're thinking of this as, like, an intermediate step, just another chip they can use. But everyone seems to be saying they want to move up to be able to get like Book Knight is one of the names that they maybe want to move up so they're sure they can get him. But finding that, you know, they have they have Triple J with Ja long term, but finding that other perimeter guy to like as a cornerstone to build around, I think that could be interesting. I I do really enjoy the thought of Ja and Book Knight as a backcourt. Yeah, that could be so fun to watch in a few years. Um, I've heard a lot of talk about the Thunder moving up. Um, moving up to number two, I would assume. Just try to get as high as they can get. But I don't really know yeah, what the, the package that, would be. I mean, I don't, I don't think they should include Shea in anything like that. Because you have, they have a billion first round draft picks. It feels like for a team, for one, say like the Rockets, for example, they're going into rebuilding mode, but they don't have the stockpile of assets yet, like OKC does. Maybe they're like, all right, we punt on Jalen Green in favor of getting, you know, three first round picks and two swaps in a player form or something like that. Maybe that's a bit much. But somewhere in that neighborhood, it just feels like it could make sense for both teams if they wanted to do it. I will uh, – oh, man, I forgot what I was going to say because I was looking at my other point. Um, oh, I know what, what I was going to say. So, Shea Gilders-Alexander, the reason why they would get off of him, get off of that contract would be they have to pay him next summer. Yeah, and I have I don't know. If, I don't know if they want to pay him. That's kind of the thing where it's like Shea's really good – but I don't think they want to be as – I don't think they want to be good right now. They want to still kind of stink so they can get all these picks and then build on that. So Shea's yeah. kind of like too good too early type. Yeah, the timing's a bit weird there. And I can see the not wanting to be this good this early. But as far as paying him, it's like who else are they paying for the next four years? I, I don't – none of these other guys. I generally gonna, don't know. I mean, maybe Lou Dort will get like – some money like door door could get some maybe Pokashevsky fills out and gets some that's the but thing like, is like can, can they maxes. build on people 
You mean like guys like they already have? Like the the, the big white dude, Pokachevsky or whatever you call it, whatever his name is. Yeah. Poke- yeah, like if they can build on on pieces like that. I mean, Poku in particular, he's not going to be, and they're not expecting him to be one of their top two players long term. But he's some of the flash. I don't know if you ever watched any of him. I've, I've seen his highlights, yeah. Because, like, especially towards the end of the year, they just kind of threw him out there and were like, do whatever you want. We just want to see how you play kind of thing because they were trying to lose. Like, obviously, he was super raw because he's so young and he's so skinny still. But he even he was showing some flashes. Like, he, he has an argument as that team's best three-point shooter as a seven-footer. He can handle it. You know, he's not much inside right now. He's not very physical. But he feels like a guy you wouldn't want to just, like, give up. Yeah, one of these deals. you wouldn't want to. You would. You would want to get something for him. You or, you, yeah. or at least you think you could get something for him. Abs- there's absolutely some market for him. Yeah, I will ask you about another team, another one of my teams, because there have been trade rumors about him. Um, the Atlanta Hawks looking to maybe trade into the top ten, looking to trade the twenty pick in Cam Reddish, possibly. I've seen that. I mean. So the thought process is, you know more about the Hawks than me, watch them, but they don't want to have to pay like both him and Hunter, right? That's most of it. Yeah, they're like, both of these guys become free agents at the same time. We're going to put all of our eggs in Hunter's basket. Um, yeah. Like Cam Reddish that. just, Cam Reddish looked good in the playoffs, but he didn't play a lot because he was hurt. So and you kind of – you don't know what you're going to get out of Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish could be a 20 points a game. So, I hope Patrick's listening to this because he is the Cam Reddish, like, lover of, of, of all time. I've never seen anyone like it. But he could be the guy who just puts up 20 points a game, and you could be just trading, like, a very valuable piece to your team. But you know 100% what you're getting out of DeAndre Hunter. You're getting a, a defensive stopper. You're getting a guy who – well, possibly, I, I assume he's going to turn into kind of a three and D guy, just the guy yeah. who's going to anchor the defense because they're going to need some guys that can anchor the defense when Trey's out there because Trey can't really guard anybody. But if they can make him look like a f- decent defender, it'll work. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with them choosing Hunter in that situation. The only thing with like trading Cam or trading up into the top 10 even is. I, I, are they still in like collecting asset mode or are they now like focusing up like, all right, how do we build around Trey and Hunter and, you know, Herder and everyone? Because it feels like if you just, it, it almost feels like it'd be better to trade for more veterans, especially seeing how like Bogdanovich and Gallo worked out just because trading up like that, you're just going to get another potential project, a guy you have to develop which I don't – maybe that is what they want to do. I don't know. But it wouldn't seem like after the run they just had. I don't know. What do you think? No, I 100% agree. Um, but when it comes down to it, it's – if you can go into that top 10 and get a guy who's going to contribute right now, you're pretty much just trading for a younger version of Cam Reddish. Yeah. And a guy you don't have to pay as soon, like – I think Book Knight would be the ideal piece, the 100% like every reality, that's the best reality we can get. But I don't know. 
Um, maybe we get a Franz Wagner and we don't have to re-sign Gallo and we just go for another guard off the bench. Maybe we get trade not all the way into the top 10 and get Davion Mitchell someone or, or Chris Duarte, someone like that. Because if Chris Duarte drops 20 for you, if you're the Hawks, you take that 100, 100 times out of 100. But oh, I, don't see, I don't see him dropping that far. I mean, in that range, the only thing to think about, does Sunmu might be there? A guy I think like Sunmu will be there. I think the Sumo will be there, but Jared Butler's probably going to be there. Jared Butler will be there. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know. So Maybe talking trade back Hawks, and get Butler. Go ahead. What do you like? What do What do you think as a Hawks fan? What are they doing with John Collins long term? Is that are they like locking in on him, or is that what do you? So think? the thing is, we offered him a contract just through extension and he turned it down, but he is a restricted free agent. I believe. So we could just match any offer, but I also don't hate the fact that we could match an offer and then sign and trade him to the team that he wants to go to because yeah, that's not, that's not a bad move teams. The last like five years have forgotten that they can just do sign and trades. They saw that they did that. The, the Warriors did a sign-in trade, and they're like, "Oh, we can do that." I I kind of forgot oh, about that. This so isn't illegal. We should. I don't do hate this. the fact if we just re-sign John Collins and then trade him for a veteran asset, like you were talking about. You know. So, do you want him there long term? Like, if you could pick, because if it feels I, like a guy who might get too expensive, but I don't know. I don't. It depends what he wants, and I think he wants big, big money. And I'm not willing That's to offer him big, like. big money. But if he wants to come back, I will definitely accept him. I think he's the perfect counterpart to Trey because a lot of Trey is not actually getting to the rim. It's getting to six feet and having a floater or a lob to pass to. So I do like the fact that he's a rim. He's always a rim threat. He's always getting put back. So he's always just playing above the rim. But we could also just maybe trade for a wing maybe trade for another big and on just as big of a deal, but a guy who can contribute even more right now and is maybe at the tail end of their career. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just have to hear the offers, but I would definitely like to have him back. I was going to say just in their front court long-term, I don't know about you. I really like Onyeka Kongwu, who's playing backup five for them right now. Very big but energy just, guy. Big energy it guy. It just feels like Collins keeping him around. It could eat into a Congo's development a bit, even if he's, you know, is more of a Capella than a Collins. But even just Collins by himself, I think he's. You don't want to. You gotta set a hard line on what you're gonna pay him, because if you go over that amount for you know long term deal, you've immediately eliminated all your flexibility with like the first half of Trey Young's prime, which is the mm-hmm. last thing you want to do. I so it's just you gotta be careful there. I will say this about a Congo. I don't think he's. I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's Capella or John Collins. I think he's Bam. Yeah, when he was when he was a draft prospect, I was looking. The last few years, I've tweeted like you saw with the one this year, but like just a, a top five, top ten. I had a Kongu at two in his class. Like I've loved him since he was at USC. 
And I do think – I don't know if he's the passer that Bam is, but everywhere else, I think, yeah, that's pretty realistic. Yeah, like you're not going to get another Bam. Bam is an extraordinary athlete, a top five defender in the league. Like Bam Adebayo is unreal. But if you yeah. can get someone close to that, you get a really good If he good can give you player. 80% of Bam for like, you know, 60% of the money, that's a win. Uh, yeah, that is big stonks right there. But that's yeah, I don't, economics. I don't know what I, I'm genuinely curious to see what happens in the draft with, with the Hawks. Um, like my other team, the Blazers don't have a pick. We traded it for Rocco, which is yeah. something. Um, you're a big Nuggets fan. What do you, what do you think the Nuggets do? What are we doing there? Um, they're sitting at 26. It, doesn't sound like there's any chance of them trading it like up or down or out. They're just going to use it. Feels like they're going to, they're leaning towards one of those like safe, high floor, low ceiling guards we've been talking about. Whether it be, you know, the dream and early on in the process, Duarte was the name that was brought up, but he won't be there at this point for them. So realistically, I think you could go two routes. You could go a guy like just soon move. Butler Ayayi, that's more of the solid option that you could could instantly join like the playoff rotation to some capacity, or you could take a swing on one of the guys like I don't love either of these two guys, but like Josh Christopher or BJ Boston because they'll be there and just say, hey, these guys were so highly touted as high school guys. Maybe that's still you know maybe that's still part of their trajectory. But I if I could pick what they do. I want him to get a yai. I'll say this. I like the pick of Quentin Grimes going to the Nuggets. Interesting. I think Quentin yeah. Grimes works well there. Because he's a big I mean, yeah, defensive I, I, guy. Big defensive guy. And that's that's a lot what the Nuggets need, is guys who you can help on defense with, especially off the bench. Yeah. That would be nice, especially if Will Barton ends up leaving. He opted out, but there's still a good chance he resigns. Just in and there's restricted. there's a thing like in college, um, in college, Quentin Grimes averaged 18 a game on 40 percent from the field, 40 percent from three, uh, 79 percent from the line. So that's only going to get better, and that's pretty goddamn efficient, right there. Yeah. No, I mean there's what's not to like about that. I think with a Yai, the reason I, the reason I feel like he is probably the fit, the nuggets are, they're not in like, they're, they have, when you have a guy like Jokic and now he's just won his first MVP, he's getting into the beginning of his prime here. You have to be, and they are like, the chips are all in on that. There's no, like we're drafting for, the future. So what you want here is a guy that can kind of bolster the end of your playoff rotation, like starting now, because the nuggets aren't, the nuggets are building for, you know, the conference finals, if nothing else, the next few years. And a guy like a Yai, I don't want to make a direct Marcus smart comparison, but he brings a lot of that stuff to the table just in terms of energy, terrific rebounder applies a lot of pressure on defense just he's all over the place 
the Nuggets don't have a guy like that right now. You know, the closest thing is Jamal Murray, and you can't ask him to do some of those things. So adding a guy like Ayayi could be what they need in that regard. I will say I'm not very big on Ayayi. Yeah, a lot of people aren't. I think he was maybe the the fifth best player on Gonzaga this year. No, I mean that's accurate. And I don't I don't know if I want to pick up the fifth best player on a college team. Hey, Devin Booker didn't start on his college team. Well, Devin Booker was twelve years old. Devin Booker was like I mean, the youngest yeah. player in college basketball. Ayayi's like twenty five like twenty one then. Ayayi is twenty one years old. Yeah, he's old. He's he's, I'm not little, saying he's little, Devin Booker. I'm not saying I'm not trying to steal Trill Wilder's line, but he's pretty long in the tooth if you ask me. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a fair concern, but, you know, he's more – it's one thing that he was the fourth best player in the college game, but I don't think it's a stretch to say he could end up as the second best pro of that group, depending on how Kispert works out. Yeah, yeah, I don't hate that. Um, I'm just going to throw out a couple names. I'm going to see if you if you like anything about these players. Um this, this will be our rapid fire round. I'm just going to say a player's name. You give me like a short description of what you think, and then right. we'll go on to the next one. All right. I'm going to say Jalen Johnson out of Duke. He might be my least favorite player in this entire draft. Okay. I need I you just, to go on on that. Yeah. So he was a guy, if you would have, if he never played a minute at Duke and just like made up an injury and was like, I got to sit out. Decent chance he's a top 10 to 12 pick right now. But, like, for anyone who watched Duke, this dude, he's, like, what, 6'9", well-built, oftentimes played like like he was 6'5", contact-averse, and was really lazy. Like, that's the big one. he He was, like, timid, not a lot of aggressiveness. I have seen nothing other than the athleticism and the frame that I like, especially here in the top 20. Okay. Okay. Um, on to the next one, Cameron Thomas out of LSU. I've not watched a lot of him compared to the other guys in this range, but yeah, I've heard a lot of like the Lakers link that you mentioned earlier. Um, just clicking on his tankathon page, a lot of red on that strengths and weaknesses. Box. There is a lot of lot of red on that. A lot weakness. of red. I will say he did average twenty three points a game on forty thirty three eighty eight. So yeah. I'm pretty sure very high usage, but Mans was getting his buckets. I mean, the forty percent figure you don't love to see there in college, but yeah, I mean you can't deny the, the points. Um, on the I next mean, one. Oh no, you got yeah, keep yeah, going, go keep ahead. going. I was no, I don't really have anything more to say there. Trey Mann out of Florida. Um, I'm trying to see where they have him on this mock. Do you have Tankathon up? Yep, they have him going thirtieth oh, to the Jazz. To the Jazz. Um, I mean, in this range, end of the first, I really like him. Um, you know, six four, decent size for especially a point guard. Um, he's, again, seems like one of those guys that this draft is has 
a, a, a relatively high amount of. And he just figures to be a pretty solid, steady rotation piece that you can trust, but also know you're not going to be able to ask a ton of them. I like that. I like that. I, I do like Trey Mann. That guy's a bucket getter. That's he, he, He'll go get you one. Um, yeah. I'm going to say Josh Christopher out of Arizona State. So he's one of these guys, again, he – out of high school was what? I think he was like sixth or seventh in that class. Yes. Five star. And he has since fallen. They got him at 35 right now. It just feels like he's very raw. And that's the reason for the drop. There's a lot of deficiencies in areas where he's pretty underdeveloped compared to some of these other options. But he is also a bucket. Like there's some degree of scoring, um, like it, creating for himself, that type of scoring and being that contested shot maker that um, has counters to stuff and can make shots with hands in his face. Like who knows how, how high his ceiling ends up being, but he feels like a good guy to take a shot on at the beginning of that second round. I don't see any reason not to. I, if, if he's there in the second round, I think you got to try and get him. like, his upside is is perfect for a second round. Just hope for the best, and if the worst happens, then it's a second round pick. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, he's the epitome of low floor, high ceiling for yep. these guards. Absolutely. Um, Corey Kisper out of Gonzaga. What are your thoughts? Kispert Kispert feels like the opposite of what I just said. High floor, low ceiling. He seems like a Joe Harris to me. He's All right, good, I'm like not, he's, is that is that racist because he's white? Come on, come on, Lomar. We're oh better yeah, than this. Knows, We're better than this. Everybody knows the token white guy's got to be compared to one another. Yeah, yeah, that's but, that, uh, that. I don't hate that. Continue. Like he's gonna, he struggled as a shooter in the tournament, which I think the recency bias of that is has contributed to his drop from like, you know, the back half of the top ten to just out of the lottery on this mark. But he feels like a, he's going to be a really good shooter. The mechanics are there. The regular season, he showed it for multiple regular seasons at Gonzaga. And he's, you know, he's a big 6'7", who's actually pretty athletic and mobile in terms of, like, he's going to be a fine defender. Like, he's, he's, he's not going to present a weakness on that side of the court. So as long as you know you're not going for your next star here, I love him in the end of the lottery or in the late teens, just as that, you know, shooter. He's crazy efficient. That's what I'll say. He is the guy, you know what you're going to get out of him. He's 22 years old. He's pretty much just going to be this. He's going to be like you said, Joe Harris, where his, his two point percentage is going to be unreal. His three point percentage is going to be unreal. His free throw percentage is going to be unreal. And he's not going to take a lot of shots. So he's going to be perfect. For any system that wants to plug and play right now, like if I was a team that's looking for a shooter, like the Lakers, I don't, yep. I obviously don't see him going to the Lakers, but a perfect fit would be the Lakers, in my opinion. A team that, oh, yeah, is contending right now. Because if you're a team that's contending, you can always use a three point shooter. There's, exactly. there's always a role on your team for that. So I think you can never have enough. Yeah, he's he's perfect. Like like his weaknesses are wingspan and draft age, 
but so yeah, as a prospect, you know what you're going to come out. You know, you know what you're going to get out of him. He is basically the same profile as you know, just coming off the finals. Cam Johnson had a few years back, a guy who people didn't love the ceiling of, but knew what they were getting right away as a shooter. You know, the six, seven, six, eight range. The weaknesses were wingspan, athleticism, and age. But, you know, look at Cam Johnson. So maybe that's the type of guy you're getting. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't very high on Cam Johnson just based on that low ceiling. But I obviously thought he went a little early. But it, it worked out for the Suns. I'm not going to hate on it. Um, I think that's it. I don't think I have any more guys that pop off the page. We talked about Kai Jones. I really like Kai Jones. You really like Kai Jones. Um. Yeah, I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about? Is there anything you want to throw in the mixer? Uh, there's a couple more guys here. Get your thoughts on. So this is kind of like Christopher and in the same range. Um, BJ Boston, what are your thoughts? Very high ceiling guy. Much like you mentioned um, with the stars. What was he? He had to have been a, a five-star, He was top right? five. I think he was number five in that class. He was a five-star. Yeah. He oh, – man, I, I'm, I don't want to just – be like a broken record and base my opinion on what Tankathon says, but there are only three things that are his strength, which is draft age, turnovers, and offensive rebound. And he has, by the looks of it, 15 weaknesses. So I can't say I watched a lot of Kentucky basketball, but my close personal friend, you know, host of the pod, Stodd, is a big, big Blue Nation fan. And Uh he couldn't talk about Kentucky less this year because of how bad they were. And when you go down on his, on his page, you see his one season of his college highlights. And then the next video is immediately his high school highlights. So something in college didn't click. Um, uh, Like you said, big upside, big downside. I mean, he's 19 years old. He won't be 20 by the time they play their first game. So, you, you can get a good six years before he even reaches his prime, which is something that maybe you want to invest in because he's such a good athlete. He's such a good player. But you gotta just got to teach him how to play the right way, which I don't hate. I don't hate. I don't know what your thoughts are. What are they, Lamar? Well, I was just talking about Christopher. And on some level, I can see the same arguments made for Boston. Like, you know, the highly touted high school five-star, you just take a swing on him and hope he develops. And maybe what I'm about to say is a function of me having watched more BJ Boston than I did Christopher. Not a BJ Boston fan. I don't even like him in the early second round here. He, like at Kentucky, he was kind of their lead ball handler. You know, that was mostly his role, even as the two guard. But he was like, you want to talk about somebody who just doesn't have a lot of feel. That's BJ Boston. Defensively, he looked lost a lot. And, you know, obviously people think immediately, oh, maybe he could be a good defender. He's 6'7 long. I mean, he just – none of that translated in college. And the shot selection was a big issue, which is tough for a guy who figures to be a high-usage guard. So I don't don't love him, but I was just curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be very hit or miss. He's going to be a guy that you're going to have to take a chance on. And if he pans out, you look like a genius. If he doesn't, you say it's a second rounder. That's that's just yeah. what it is. Yeah. Uh, what else you got? 
Uh, draft related or NBA? Whatever you want to talk about, Lomar. This is this is the the, the Lomar podcast right now. All right. So I was just reading about this hypothetical trade today, which I guess okay. is kind of draft related. Um, Golden State. Obviously, they have been wanting very publicly to get a star, which basically means Beal or Lillard, which Lillard's, that's not realistic, I don't think. I agree. Um, Beal, maybe if he requested a trade, it'd be realistic, but it all sounds like he wants to stay in Washington. So that doesn't look like it's on the table. So here's another guy that could possibly, who I think might be a better fit and could fill some of that star itch. Can I take a Pascal guess? Pascal Siakam. Dang it. I was going to guess Pascal. Dang. Oh, you were? I was going to say, can I take a guess before you said it? I, I've also heard the Pascal uh, rumors. Continue, though. I don't know what it would take to get him. Maybe, like, I don't know if they could do Wiseman in seven. That's the package I saw. You need to throw in a little more for salary, like Wiggins, which would likely mean Toronto also throws something in, so you're not just losing all your trade pieces. But I think Siakam would be such a good fit in Golden State. Like him and Draymond as your small ball four or five, whichever you want to one you want to call his center. Like he's a guy. His weak points in Toronto have come because he had to be the guy with the ball in his hands. That's not Pascal Siakam. That's not. You're right. Like, and with Golden State, he doesn't need the ball. He can be a guy who just guards three positions gets rebounds, offers some level of rim protection, and stretches the floor because that's all you need him to be. And I think if that's his role, he could be phenomenal because that was his role when Kawhi Leonard was on his team in Toronto. And look what, look what, look what they did there. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I love the idea of Pascal Siakam to the Warriors. Obviously for the Warriors, not for the rest of the league. Once again, it just makes the West even harder for my Blazers, which is tough. Yeah. But – yeah, I mean, they have the pieces. I'm really high on um, – what's his name? Wiseman. I'm really high on Wiseman. Interesting. And I think he's going to be – like, I think he's the next DeAndre Ayton. So, hmm. take that with, with, like, a grain of salt. So, I think if you're getting Wiseman in the seventh, I would maybe say – just you don't even have to give me Wiggins because I think Wiggins is such a stunt develop. Uh, Wiggins would just be the salary because Siakam is on a max. Wiggins is like, you know, matches the money up. But I think Wiggins, if he comes to your team, you you got guys still developing. I think he stunts your development immediately. Hey, I don't hate that. Guys. Like That's he's genuinely possible. that bad for your team, and he's making like very good player money while not being a very good player. So it doesn't really make no. sense to me why you would put Wiggins in the trade. But You know like, I would, I'm as low as on Wiggins as anybody. Oh, yeah. Not oh, a Wiggins yeah. guy. You know where this podcast aligns on Andrew Wiggins. But I, I like it. Like, I like it on both factors that if the, if the Raptors just don't sign Lowry and they just go fully just tank mode, then you already Which I think have, is what they should do. I agree. You already have a guy like Wiseman who's going to probably pan out. I would say he's going to yeah. pan out. I think he's very DeAndre. Level, yeah. And you get the seventh pick, which I had going to Kaminga. Maybe you could turn that into something. I don't think you could. But And you have four. And you have four. 
You still have Suggs. You still have you want there. Oh, I forgot they still have Suggs. Does four and seven get yeah. you one? Does four and seven get you one? I was thinking about that the first time I read about the Siakam trade idea. I don't think it does. I don't think it does I wouldn't either. take that. Would um, it be interesting? I think you'd, they'd have to throw in like OG and another pick, which I they they're not going to do that. I think you have to pray that Suggs gets falls to you at four, and somehow Mobley doesn't fall to four. If if you do do that trade, if that's the case, then you could just trade back from four to like five or six. Like that's not a yes. Yeah. You could very easily you could very easily package it a trade down and just be like, you guys are getting Mobley and yeah. Worst case scenario, they go bug night and that's, or you take Mobley and he's your four, because I don't see any reason why he has to be a center. Dude. He's so big. He's so big, but he's so mobile. I know he's so good defensively and he can hurt you off the dribble and he can shoot it and he can pass it a little bit. I've heard comparisons that best case scenario out of Mobley is you get 80s defense with Chris Bosch's offense, which is maybe the yeah. one of the greatest bigs of all time. I mean, I kind of think that's just Anthony Davis. I don't know what Bosch is doing that AD's not on offense. But yeah, even true, still, I guess. if you're getting Anthony Davis, that's a win. Yeah, if you get AD, then it's probably pretty good. But that's a guy – especially if he prefers to play at a lighter weight like we're seeing as a leaner guy, which is entirely possible given his skill set. Yep. I don't see any reason why you don't play him as a four long-term. You can play him as a small ball five as well, some of the minutes, but I think that fit can work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. Um, Damn, that'd be very interesting if Siakam's on the move tomorrow. I'm trying to think of any other – Trade rumors with guys not, you know, not in the draft. Let's see here. What do you think? What's going to happen with Ben Simmons? Um, I think this all he's gone, right? No, I think he stays. I don't know the package you get for him. That's the thing. Do you see what they're asking for? Allegedly, I haven't seen what they're asking for, but I've seen it's. I've heard it's been a lot. I don't remember if it was Woj. Somebody p- reported it today. It was four firsts, two swaps, and a promising young player. Yeah, no. That's just – that's ridiculous. You get C.J. McCollum a first and Anthony Simons in your – you're going to like it, 76ers. That's all I'm going to say. So, as a Blazers fan, because that is – that's the team that he's linked to, the Blazers. Do you do that? Do you like that? Is that enough to get Dane to stay? We have to do something. That's all I'm going to say. Like, we can't have another summer of just signing, like, a guy who makes $10 million a year. We have to make – we have to trade for someone. Absolutely. And Something I, don't, I don't hate that same package for Beal. I would rather have Beal. And at that point, I think we would just have to go, who cares about defense? If we score 140, we're going to win the basketball game. I was going to say, you're going to have to score 140 in order to win some of these games. Yeah, but it's entirely I, possible that you do. You you could do that theoretically in today's NBA. I don't think that's winning the playoffs, which Dame wants to do. But man, I don't. It's just we're so messed up because with Dame's like play style, you need a big. 
And so, I've heard, I've heard he's been connecting and have, having a budding uh, friendship with Bam Adebayo during the Olympics. So I hope that means Bam comes to Portland, not Dame goes to okay. Miami. But okay. it could very well be Dame goes to Miami. So what do you think about Simmons at the five and deal Nurkic for more perimeter pieces? That's interesting. That is a very interesting because situation. I don't hate it. I'll, I'll, I'll say that right now. I've always felt like Simmons playing him at point guard was the wrong move initially. And I feel like if he's your five man, which he's big enough and strong and athletic enough to be the shooting thing, all of a sudden is just not as big of a deal. Well, I'll say this. What you do is you turn him into Giannis in, in games three through six, where yep. it's you're not even going to look to shoot like outside of five feet. You're just exactly. going to be the biggest man and the strongest and fastest lateral movement. Just get to the paint, get to the rim, and get finish to the, the rim. Yeah, which he could clearly do. And worst-case scenario, he drives, they double, they kick. He's one of the best passers in the league. Exactly. I think him at the five – People would view him so differently if he just came up as a center. So it's about time somebody needs. I think that, I think that'd be really fun to watch. It would Simmons be. at the five running with Dame, the pace you'd get there. Oh yeah, and what you what you lose defensively when you trade CJ McCollum is generally nothing. I love CJ to death. CJ is one oh, of my yeah. favorite players in the league, but. He's very vulnerable defensively, and so is Dame. So you can't have both of them just giving up a thousand points, and that's where that's where Ben Simmons comes in, where he can guard the one, the two, the three, the four, the five. He can guard anywhere. Exactly. That's, that's exactly what his be. job is. And I think, well, I'm just going to stick with the Blazers here. I'm just going to go off on a little tangent. I think yeah. this, the moves to make are, if we can get Simmons, perfect. I like your idea of playing with the five. We need to re-sign um, Lauren Powell. Lauren Powell is really good, really good, super underrated. He's going to get a bag, though. Like, he might be expensive. He's going to want some money, which is fine, which isn't fine, but it is fine. We'll, like, Everybody's I'm fine saying the him. numbers, like, 20 to 22 a year for, like, four years. Would you but be fine was, with that? That's the same thing Gary Trent wanted. And I'm more, I'm more open to giving Lauren Powell that money than Gary Trent. Yeah, I could see both sides of that, but – I don't know, man. That's expensive. But what do like we? He was linked a little bit to the Nuggets, just like. But the thing is, Will Barton the thing is, guy. in this scenario, we're trading our our number two already, which is CJ. So we need another. We need another two guard, and Norm would fit perfectly. And we're not paying yeah. him CJ money. We're paying him Norm Powell money. Yeah, that is true. Which yeah, I like that. So it open up. It does open up space. So you need to re-sign Norm Powell, and. I don't know. We need a we need a wing who can also defend. Like we need we need defense. Norm can defend. Norm can hold his own. Like he's not yeah. like Dame, where if he gets struck in a deep water, he's done. Yeah, he's but, fine. Yeah, he he's fine defensively. Like we get another wing who can guard the the two three four. Perfect. Yep. Awesome. Um, I like. I don't. Even, I I don't. I haven't even looked at who the free agents are. Um, it's it's a pretty weak class from what I've heard. A lot of restricted but, guys, which usually doesn't mean much. Yeah. So it like next year is the class that is the big boys. 
So I don't really know what you do in this class, which sucks because Dame is such, you know, we need to do something right now mode and our options are very limited right now. So what about uh, a guy like uh, DeRozan? If you can convince him to take a pay cut. He'd have to take a significant pay cut, but. Which I think he will regardless of where he goes. It's just how much of a pay cut. I don't think DeRozan fits. I'll say it. All right. Fair enough. What about a guy like Timmy Hardaway? Get him from Dallas. He's a free agent. He's unrestricted too. Hardaway would move right into that off the bench role where much like how the Hawks have Lou Williams, where when, when uh, Trey comes off the bench, we just need another guy who can score. I think when Dame comes off the bench, Hardaway could be the guy who's like, all right, Hardaway time, baby. Time for me to, to, to make my money. Like I think Tim Hardaway time is not always a good thing, but sometimes it is a very good thing. Yeah. 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 He's very hit or miss, but he's the way that you're, you're fighting Luka Doncic as we're playing him was that they started him and it it took away from Luka's time. But if you played him off the bench and was like, all right, Luka's off the court. Now it's Hardaway time. I think it fits. I think it fits with the star player, but I don't know if we do that. Like I don't, Neil Ashley, our, our GM, could do anything. He could genuinely do anything or do nothing. That's that's the power of Neil Ashley. And with this whole Dame thing, like nothing's off the table. You got to yeah. do something. That's all there is to it. I feel like if Will Barton decides to leave the Nuggets, he would fit well there at the three. That's a that's a guy who's already been with the team. That's a that's a former. Oh, Blazers that's right. I forgot about that. Will the thrill? Um. Yeah, I'm not very high on Will Barton. I'm not going to lie. But if he wants to come for pennies on the dollar, maybe. I mean, he's not going to be that expensive, though, which I do think he ends up with the Nuggets again, which I don't love him or hate him as a Nuggets fan. But Yeah, I don't mind it. He's, I mean, he's solid. He's, he's, you know what you're going to get out of him. You're, you know what you're going to get out of Will Barton. Yeah. Um, I will say we've been recording for a minute. This, uh, this podcast has been, has been a good one. How long has it been? I haven't even looked like an hour 30. Okay. We're, we're, this is like the longest, uh, the longest Tanner Wilkinson podcast. Like we, we joked in the pre-show about, uh, we're going to form a a mixtape, like eight hour podcast. This is, this is the equivalent of one for the Tanner Wilkinson podcast. I'm going to be up pretty late editing this. Hey, sometimes it needs to be done. Hey, a, lot of, hey. a lot of draft chatter. Yeah, we're, we're. I'm gonna have to hit you on like once a month for some NBA talk. Like this is this is this is good to content for the people. Oh, I'm down for that during the season, especially. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is this is good chat. We'll uh. We're gonna get Tim on here at least. Bounce some of the. I want to bounce some of my takes off of him. Well, I think what I'm gonna do is um, we're probably gonna record on Sunday. If you're free Sunday, I want to I want to bring you on just as like a draft recap and just because I'm assuming something crazy is going to go down. So I, I'd love does. to have you on like the big show and have Tim and Stott here and just have you have like a guest. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm down for that. Dope. Um, with that, Lomar, what you got? What do you got to shout out? Um, your Twitter is awesome. I mean, you you posted the that top 10. That's kind of why. I brought you on as the draft insider. You posted your, your, your top 10 prospects or you gave it a little breakdown. Yeah. It was pretty, it was pretty interesting. I read, I read through it. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's my Twitter drew underscore Lomar. I don't really have anything else to shout out. 
I mean, his Twitter will be in the in the description. Like you know, you know, Lomar. This will be up on the Instagram tomorrow. Everyone will see it. it, it it's big time. Oh, I'm expecting to gain tens of followers from this. If that, if that, I will say this is a little Easter egg. This is not the first time Lomar and I have been on a podcast together. One of maybe a more famous podcast. Unfortunately, yes. Uh, for people who are staying late to listen to this, this is this. Uh, that's a, that's a good Easter egg. That was problematic. That was easily the most problematic podcast I've ever been on. Yeah. And I'm on a weekly podcast with with Stott and Tim, and and somehow that was the most problematic. <laughs> but like nevertheless, Pivo. oh yeah, oh we got a Pivo. Pivo refuses to listen to the podcast, so he doesn't he doesn't get to come Why? on the podcast because he doesn't have Spotify and he won't download it to listen to the podcast. Oh, what a baby! Come on. Also, how do you not have Spotify? Like, come on. Who? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Nevertheless, Lamar's. Uh, his, his socials will be in the description, as always, like everyone's is. Um, yeah, shout us out. Tell your grandma, tell your friend, tell your mom, tell your dad. It's, it's a great podcast. Lomar, thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, yeah, a pleasure. This is it. See you, boys. Look, anywhere performed against me can't prosper. Imposter, I'm a film with lead. My best friend like Tommy Lee Sparker I'm in the Gaza just trying to get bread The Chinese want to take away Niger Most of my people they struggle and stress Political corruption I rise up until the reign of government left Cost to be the boss even on finance The man couldn't afford it Fifteen mummy found my shank And I nearly got shipped I was gonna do boarding I had a one like E from Pex And a 1010 euro but babe from Shoreditch if you got a body like Uche, text me and I'ma pay your father's mortgage Listen, I'ma pay your uncle's rent And if rap don't pay, then we would've been getting it off a of crack cocaine I don't know how a man could chat so brave Little nigga, you ain't bad, no way I think me, women and Italian shoes work well together like Maggie and Cube Pretty in pink, but she better in blue If you and me, would be arrogant too Oh yeah, did, 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 checking did, Oh, what the hell? Jack Cook, wait. What the hell?